0: Closer. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organizations to become more human-centered in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Can you believe it? But this is HCD is five years old. We've just passed two hundred episodes on Apple Podcasts. And we've been creating content regularly for that period of time. And if you want to help us out, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can leave a review for us on any of those platforms that you're listening to, such as Spotify or Google or Apple. And even if you don't want to leave a review, that's totally cool. You can go one better by telling people that you work with or you know that might listen to podcasts that might like the show. Help spread the word. Now in this episode, I speak with Michelle Walter, head of design ops at ANZ Bank in Australia. I've been connecting with Michelle for a number of months about all things strategic design in ANZ. And ANZ were my bank of choice in Australia, not out of a deep loyalty or anything like that. They weren't the most innovative banks for a very long time, but in September 2017, they made a really big, ballsy statement, I felt, and they hired Ofer Yontov as a chief design officer for the bank, and also Michelle Walter as well as the head of design ops. In this episode, we speak about length around the growth of design internally at ANZ, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, and how to take the business on that journey as well. They currently sit at over 200 plus designers, so how do they hire for those 200? Is it purely a skills acquisition that they're looking for, or are they hiring for purpose? This episode is a really good peek behind the curtain of an organisation that went from, say, a stage two in the design maturity ladder, where design is used as style and styling, all the way through to where they are now. And according to Michelle, it's used to inform strategy, so stage four. Michelle is truly awesome, and I know you're going to love them, so let's jump straight into it. Well, well, well. Michelle Walter, I am delighted to welcome you to Bring in Design Closer. Um, for our, our listeners, maybe start off, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Um, so a little bit about me. So I am from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, I was born here um, and I've lived here basically most of my life. Um, I have spent the last seven or so years working at ANZ Bank um, we're the one of the largest uh, financial institutions uh here in Australia we're one of the yep. big four, as they call it um mm-hmm. we also have one of the largest in-house design communities um from last count uh we have two hundred and ten designers and uh you know, say the word designers uh all different disciplines of design so we have nice UX well, we're, designers. We're getting...
0: yep So yeah I know that there's there's lots of um Stuff we can talk about based on the the amount of designers that you have there at the moment, but maybe tell me what's your role in ANZ? Yep.
1: Uh, so my role is uh, head of design operations. Uh, so uh, my my role and my team are very much in support of um, enabling our designers to do their best work. Uh, being a hmm. creative inside a large, complex organisation as its Mm. challenges, when a lot of our designers just want to get in there and do great work. Uh, So a lot of what we do in design ops is uh, remove roadblocks, we put in processes and practices, but really one of the things that we focus on is uh, building a culture of design, uh, fostering creative creative Mm. community, and uh, we also focus on uh, upskilling our designers uh, and supporting them in their, their growth and development.
0: Right. So there's a story that I'm going to come back to in a little bit more um, about ANZ and my kind of understanding of ANZ. But when you say a culture of design, what does that look like in your eyes?
1: Yeah. Um, so a culture is one where I think creatives are, are open to sharing. Um, there is so much goodness and knowledge um, and expertise within within our design community. And I guess for me, hmm. it's really Thinking about sharing that more broadly so others can learn and grow themselves. Mm. Um, It's also about collaboration, not just with our designers, but how designers work with the rest of the business Mm. uh, to really create impact in what they do. Um, Yeah, so they're probably the main things that I think about um, when we think about the culture and also, uh, I guess, design is not just limited to just designers. Um, we have different stakeholders across mm. our business that actually understand the value of design. So we're not sort of sitting in this quiet mm. corner uh, or under the basement somewhere in our building doing what we do. Um, we kind of share share the love and the knowledge and, uh, yeah, our expertise with, with the rest of the business.
0: Just on that, um, it's very easy for us to build a design culture with 210 designers when they're all in one corner of the building effectively. Design culture, when it permeates the rest of the organization. W- I'm interested to know what are the kind of things that you've come up against when suddenly over the last oh, what, eight years, is it? Um, maybe it's been more probably since Ophi Omtof arrived in the CDO position. What are the challenges from the, the organization um, around justifying 210 designers?
1: Um, So I'd say that the challenge or the opportunity for design Mm. um, is really around changing the mindset from being very much a culture of deliver, deliver, deliver fast, um, being being very product oriented where decisions are being made by product managers and I guess senior managers and kind of flipping that on, on its head to saying, well, what do our customers want? Um, yeah and thinking really thinking about user needs so it's a it's definitely a mindset shift, and to be honest, also a cultural shift where we've had a lot of people work in the organization they're really smart people who've worked there for a really long time and for no fault of their own they're they're used to kind of their way of working um, mm-hmm. so bringing something like a design process into that which I guess you know in some people's eyes can take longer or have have more steps or you know, yeah. spending more time with customers. Um, you know, of course, there are, there are challenges with that, but um, there are some really great areas of the business that have embraced design and really embraced, um, you know, uh, human centered design. I guess as a, as a methodology, and had some really great
0: successes. Mm. But I, I guess I'm an ex customer of ANZ. Like so, when I was in Australia from 2003 to. 2018, I was um, I was an ANZ customer, had my mortgage, that everything. Like you know, I was uh, I was all in with ANZ, which annoyed some of my other clients when I was working at CBA. I was like, ah, I'm all right about ANZ, that's fine. But the the systems that were in there when I first signed up in 2003 were exactly the same systems that when I um, left in 2018 in Australia. So I can imagine that there's people there that have been just used to these systems that are probably still probably in place or maybe at the point of kind of being sunset what kind of things did you do or are you doing for people that have been in the organization for a very long time who may see as you said design as being an additional layer of complexity
1: yeah are there other um,
0: so trainings I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that piece like you know like how do you bring them along on the journey
1: yeah it's a great question and i think uh you're absolutely right um so there's legacy systems and a ton of complexity still but the good news is that there are again some really smart people in the organization yeah. and leadership that are really trying to to change that and there's um uh you know great new product offerings um and they're absolutely you know so many teams are really trying to fix the plumbing um so that that's the good news um but in terms of uh i guess thinking about um, Teams adopting design, I would say that our approach has been um, working with them and not sort of talking at them. So, one of the things that we do um, is we've started to run HCD masterclasses. So, it's quite common in sort of large organizations, but it's not your traditional masterclass. Um, Yeah. The sort of half day sessions, um, it's much smaller. So, they're um, smaller teams that come in and they're highly engaging, they're highly collaborative and they're really generative. So uh, it's not like you have a bunch of designers um, who will talk at you for four hours, uh, give you a whole bunch of tools and us as a team, we kind of cross our fingers and, and hope for the best that you <laughs> will um, We really we really invest the time um, in the masterclasses and and follow up sessions. So, um, mm. in project coaching, we do a lot of again really taking that kind of people first uh, philosophy and and put the putting that into practice. So, no one likes no one likes being told so you have mm. to do this and you mm. have to embed design. Um, but I would say that our our philosophy is really a bit of a slow burn, you know, give them a little bit, they can come to a masterclass, um, maybe they can walk out, you know, um, knowing a little bit more about prototyping and they might try prototyping on their project and then we find that, you know, it's it's incremental um, and then it sort of, uh, yeah, branches out a bit more and permeates out to yeah. other teams and more interest <clears throat> um, rather than this kind of push, 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 um, I guess, attitude where, you know, we come in the big HCD army, teach everyone design, and again, you still cross your fingers and and hope for the best. So I guess uh, in summary, sort of smaller teams, um, more intimate interactions, um, yeah, and that sort of slow burn by, you know, trying one thing or two and and see if it works.
0: So what are the team structures like? Um, What what, what do the team structures look like, should I say? within a typical project at ANZ? And how, how does that differ to other places that you might have seen or might have experienced?
1: Yeah, so it depends on the project. Um, mm. uh, but some of our more, um, I guess, more more business-type projects um, mm. would have, you know, a, hopefully a sponsor, um, hopefully. Yeah. Um, it's always helpful. You know, they, <laughs> they, <might, laughs> they might have a, a product owner or a business analyst, like tr- quite traditional. Um, Mm -hmm. So people that would come very much from the business with a business Mm. mindset with a focus on delivery. So they even might come with a whole lot of ideas, um, which Mm. is great. They might even come with some solutions um, that they kind of just want to implement and, again, that delivery mindset and, and get out the door. Um, but I guess what we try and do is, is really understand the problem that they're trying to solve, um, really take the time to understand those stakeholders. So, um, yeah, right. they might be in a squad. So ANZ, um, part of our business is uh, set up in a, the Spotify model, so we might have a squad that we'll work with. Um, so really sort of understanding the different roles in there, um, and, and understand how they want to work best. Um, okay. and I think, I think what's important when, when I guess we, we try and bring HCD in is we really try and understand what part of the, the project plan they're at. The, the ideal is we get brought in at the start of a project, but it, it doesn't always work that way, um. So we, we just try yeah. can, yeah, is to understand kind of where they're at and I guess meet them where they're at.
0: Okay. So in terms of, I know it's a, it's a how long is a piece of string or, you know, each project is different, but is there, are there disciplines um, of research or disciplines of service design or disciplines of user experience? How, is that the hub and spoke model that you're referring to? Like, do we have a, a central team of, of experts that, Drop into certain projects. It, would, it be, would you be would you able to tell us what that looks like from a from a from a day to day perspective?
1: So we're not really set up in that way. So a lot of our designers are embedded in cross functional squads. Okay. Um, but we do have a smaller pool of designers um, that are mostly strategic or service designers that would mm-hmm. get um, pulled into to certain projects that are that are high priority or. You know, on a on a um, senior executive's scorecard, um, and they need you know they need designers really to work with them, um, particularly in the front end of a project. Um, but most of our designers are, are embedded in squads, so in different product teams or service teams, um, spread right across the organisation. So we're very much set up as a distributed uh, design mm-hmm. community at the moment. Um, so we're in Australia, New Zealand, and India. Um, yeah, and that, and we've been running that way for about three, almost four years now. Right. Um, prior to that, um, we were ve- we were set up very much as a kind of in-house, in-house design agency. an agency. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which very much worked in that way, where a project would come in, um, and we'd kind of pick and choose from this mm. sort of centralized design team. Um, and we'd we'd send them off on on assignment or on a project, and then they'd mm. kind of return to home base. You know, to anywhere from six to twelve months. Um, okay. Pros and cons of both models. I have Absolutely. To
0: say. Yeah. It sounds like you're you're pretty far up the the design maturity ladder. Um, if you're using you know design as a strategic uh yeah. tool, if you want. So, how are you using the research that's been um Basically explored, and how does that inform um, the new bets or the the, the new strategic yeah. pieces that are going to come into in into play?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, again, it depends on where uh, the the product development is or the the kind of project plan. Um, but what we what we try and do very much at the front end is uh, if there is a project and they require uh, research at the start, um, we kind of swarm to that um, hmm. and make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're iterative on, on how we run research, that we're brought in at the start and and throughout the throughout the project um, and just feed in those insights as best we can. Um, mindful that uh, many projects try and run quite fast. So it's, yeah. it's a, it can be a challenge for some of our designers um, mm. and also different stakeholders along the way have, you know, different, um, I guess, different takeaways from the research as well um, because the customer might be saying one thing and then there's their point of view as well yeah. and they're the product manager. So there's that tension as well. So stakeholder management is actually, you know, one of the most important skills that um, mm. we can we can teach and support our designers on um because they're even though they might be in a squad or they might be bought in um for a, a, a you know a certain phase of a project, um making sure that uh that kind of stakeholder management piece and everyone's kind of happy and yeah. um yeah is really important.
0: one of the common problems that I see from speaking to lots of organizations is the glass ceiling for a design is is usually pretty low in the organizational hierarchy. And designers don't see anywhere where they can go. But I remember, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong now, okay? I'm trying to remember back. Ofer Yamtov's uh, hiring in the CDO created, created ripples. And I was working in government yeah. at the time. And I was like, well, A&Z, yeah, they hold my sweet. mortgage. They're, they've hired a CDO. They take design seriously. That must be good. Yeah. And I was at that time, I was a little bit cynical. I was like, okay, see you along this lasts okay and I, I wanted to see where where it was going to go because I remember I used to do work with CBA the career growth for a designer tends to move out of design and into the business function yeah what does a a, a career trajectory look like for an ANZ designer at the moment
1: um well the good news as you just mentioned is that um are <laughs> still there <laughs> he's still there. <laughs> or He's still there. Uh he's my boss. Um and I'm really grateful that I get to work with someone like him.
0: Um yeah.
1: and and that uh to work with someone and for an organization also where design has a seat at the table. We talk about it all the time. All the time. Um and uh it's a really powerful recruitment tool, I have to say. Yeah um and really an engagement tool and, and when we think about retention or is very present with our design community and I guess he he has a pretty strong kind of um you know uh, I guess mindset where even if you're a CDO you do not take your kind of eye or hands off the tools you're still you're okay. still a designer um and you know i think that really resonates so he's kind of with the people for the mm. people um which is really great and you know i think that what he has shown to our designers is that over your career you can you can reach this level and there are organisations that are um you know open and willing to put design at, you know an executive of design which is which is just a great story yeah. um but to your point around pro- career progression um so you can come in as a grad. We have a great graduate program. Um, we haven't had many designers, but like coming out of pure design school um, in the last uh, few years, uh, coming into that program, um, but we'll be taking grades next year, which is great. Do you um, so have an affiliation with the uni? Sorry.
0: Do you do you have an affiliation with a specific university in Australia?
1: No, but there's just um, not specific, but there's um, a few sort of well-known ones: um, RMIT, RMIT, um, Monash um, have a really great Swinburne uh, have a really great. Um, design. All Melbourne-based mm-hmm.
0: universities. What about the ones up in New South Wales? Your customers oh, up UTS, there, and students there as well.
1: There we go. UTS. Okay. Get yeah, up, there you go. Um, but UNFW. look, there's also just some. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's also um, some really great uh, independent um, institutions as well, like yeah. General Assembly do a really great job. Academy XI also do a really great job to help mm. um, designers get, in, get into industry. Um, so they, they do a great job. Um, and then you sort of work graduate and then I wouldn't say we have a really strong sort of junior level of design designer. We don't even call them juniors. Um, you just become a designer. Um, And that really depends on um, the breadth and the depth of the skills and your experience, Hmm. and really your attitude, I would say. Um, We have a lot of kind of few years out um, of school or or, um, maybe they've only had a few years work experience, and they Hmm. are unbelievable. Like yeah. they're just incredible, um, so we really, we really foster that and, and really um, support support them on on their mm. growth in that space. Um, and then it, it goes quite traditional from there. To be honest, it's sort of senior, then you become a lead, yeah.
0: and so forth. You, you go through. So w- one of the questions I had, and it seems from speaking to lots of the the designers in A and Z from just having conversations with you guys over the last couple of months, um. You all know who you are, and this sounds a little bit too deep. But you're very—you—you um, you know what this is about. Okay, there's no, there's no deviation. Like, so each each people are—they stand alone as as strong individuals. So how do you hire for this? Because it didn't seem that that's been left to chance. Um, and if so, if there's a recipe that you want to try and share with us, um, how do you make sure when you're hiring people? that it's actually improving the culture um, because it's such such an important thing. At 210 yeah. people, um, law of averages, you're going to have a couple of people in there that um, mightn't fit the mold. Yep. Um, and also, I want to talk a little bit more about agitators um, okay. a- a- after this question. So just okay. maybe start off by telling us like, how do you hire and what are you looking for?
1: Okay. Um, so I'll probably go back one step when I started at ANZ, mm-hmm. we had no process to hire. Right. We had 11 designers, that's, that's
0: when they reached out to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had 11 designers, um, really small team, and no process. Where's the interview guide? Where's our recruitment partner? Surely we have one at ANZ. Lots of questions. So, I'm really curious, and I, I'd yeah. never worked in a large organization, so I asked, um, a couple of peers at the time. Where's all this stuff that we need? Um, and to be honest, um, we we built a lot of our a lot of our frameworks. Uh, we created the process, um, and even even like six or seven years ago, uh, design ops as a function. Um, mm really leaned in into the recruitment process. That was the priority. Build the team, yeah. find the right people. Um, we want diversity of thought, really, back then. Yeah. We want designers from all different backgrounds. Um, we spent a lot of time uh, in, in kind of the setup of, of recruiting the designers. And then we saw this great opportunity um, because when they landed, they're like, they sold the dream and we've got all these great people in and the onboarding experience is rubbish. They don't even know how to turn on their MacBook. They can't connect to the network. And then again, we saw this opportunity to create a really great onboarding experience. So we spent time. So we spent time with them um, thinking about what a great recruitment experience would look like, finding the right partners, finding the right people to run the interviews. Um, We didn't even know how to do that. Um, And right through to how do we make them productive from day one? And how do we give them a really great experience for their first six to 12, six to 12 weeks, however long they, um, they mm. needed us for? And that took time. A lot yeah. of like dark bags under our eyes. Um, but I would have to say that kind of the years um, putting systems and a process and, um, you know, kind of simple artifacts in place to really get that engine going really paid off. And as part of that, um, we were supporting hiring managers who weren't from design. So that meant that instead of, again, if I went back, we had hiring managers just hiring any designers. They were like, well, I need a designer. A designer would turn up to an interview and they're like, you sound okay. And yeah. we're like, did you see their portfolio? They're like, what's a portfolio? We're like, oh, right, okay. So, um, yeah, really, really, I guess, supporting our team and then supporting the business that were hiring designers outside of our team um, mm-hmm. was really important. And we, when I say support, it was from writing job ads right through to that onboarding experience. So, And, and we still do that today. So it means that um, we hire the right designer most of the time, of course.
0: Mm. Yeah, I
1: yeah. Get it right. Um, the right role so fit is really important like right Mm. discipline right work um excuse me um and we really make sure that fit is right um and then we look for cultural fit um for me it's just kind of a bit of i've done a lot of interviews in my time um Mm. i can probably tell in the first 10 minutes it's just a feeling i get that's that's there's no secret sauce there um So that's me personally. But I think that one of the, um, if I take myself out of it for a moment, yeah. one of the things we look for is are you clear and intentional about um, the problems that you've tried to solve, how you've solved them and what have you learned. It's like a really simple recipe that we look for when we interview candidates. If you can mm. tell that story in a really clear way, you're like, Ten steps yeah, in already. Um, I, so any I, graduates
0: I, listening to this—that's yes, that's the secret sauce. The there, things. that's the kind of stuff you get out of this. Is ATD, folks. Save yourself some yep. time and energy. Yeah, um, it's,
1: it's, <clears> it's 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 kind of that simple formula. Um, and you know, I've seen really experienced designers who will talk to us for half an hour about themselves. Talk, 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 talk. talk, talk, talk. I'm like, you sound great. And then uh, I had an incident recently where I asked someone who <laughs> experienced. Um, I I said to this person, "Talk me through um, one of your projects." They're like, "Oh, but I've prepared five. I don't need to see five. Just show me your favorite one." And they're like, "Oh, but it's really hard to choose." So I'm like, "Just show me one. Oh my God. <laughs> show me one and tell okay. me a really great and tell me a really great story." Um, and we kind of got there in the end. But I think that that um balance of if you can tell one to two stories really well you don't need to spend hours and hours you know preparing five case studies or five projects Mm -hmm. and tell me about the ones that didn't go so well either like yeah tell me about the ones that didn't get shipped
0: I think that comes with experience though and um, one of the things whenever I'm coaching people and especially if they've been in an organization for a long period of time, the whole interview process and hiring process becomes this kind of, I don't know, difficult space to even talk about Um, and the more conversations you have, the more able and capable you are to talk about your work and what, what works and what doesn't work. And you write that first ten minutes piece, you can just kind of feel at ease kind of going, okay, well, I know I can ask them any questions they've kind of done enough to be able to talk like that. yeah, what advice do you give to people though who are are new to design that mightn't have those five projects yeah. um and they might have just have one or two projects from university and they're looking to crack into get yeah. get a gig at a and z. How should they approach it
1: um i I, I've done a lot of mentoring the last couple of months and, and a lot of um, the conversations that I've been having are, are exactly what we're talking about. How do I crack mm. in? I don't have a lot of experience. Um, and I guess the advice that I come back to time and time again is be yourself. Mm. Don't apply for roles that are senior design roles and come to me and say, Nishi, I don't understand why I didn't get the job <laughs> because they're senior. Think about go go to where you, you should kind of be at, Um and go for those kind of junior, um, go for an internship. So the first advice I would give is um, be, uh, yeah, be quite specific and mm. um, be really clear on the role that you're actually going for. And when it comes to presenting your work, be yourself. Be yeah. authentic and say, I've, I've only got one year experience, but these are the three areas of design that I'm really interested in. Um, and tell me why you want to work for ANZ from what you know. Yeah. Why ANZ not Nab across the road, or why don't you want to work for a startup? What there has to be something that interests you about working at ANZ, and you could say mm. to me or our team, "I'm really impressed that you've got a CDO. It's like, yeah. oh, that's cool. You've done your research. That's great." Or um, I see your building. Michelle Walters can-
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Or Michelle Walters or Michelle, or Michelle- Walters there. You want to work
1: with me? Amazing. design ops. Yeah yeah that's always um, flattery
0: is always a good one
1: <laughs> absolutely um so yeah that's probably the second thing i say so be yourself be authentic kind yeah. of say where you're at um there's no kind of right or wrong but the third piece of advice um that i give is if there are things that you do that relate to design if you write on medium if you have your own blog if you're yeah. making a, an app for a friend of yours that's a florist put that on there Put any kind of design, um, any kind of your design work, whatever it is, put that on there. Um, Mm. uh, I'm mentoring a guy in Sydney and he's awesome and he's transitioning from being a a project manager in architecture to design. Um, And he started to write on Medium, which is amazing. He was like, oh, I was writing about... Um, bicycles and the design of bicycles I'm like great put it up there get cool. it out um, yeah uh, yeah and just just kind of simple things like now it's on his portfolio and it's just a lovely read like it's yeah it's, it's really it's true great. to him
0: it says an awful lot that's Pretty true him. to him as well I'm sure like his own interests and his own passions yeah well, one of the things that I get faced with quite a lot and I want to ask um, your perspective on this question is somebody who maybe sees or hears about UX okay and UX is a it's still a relatively shiny bright thing to an awful lot of people, and they might do a course in it, but their previous role was say senior graphic designer or um senior b a or any of these kind of things and then they go, go for those jobs as senior u x people yeah um how what's your thoughts on that? where should they enter
1: um i get oh it's a hard one
0: it's a hard one, isn't it?
1: It's a hard one. Because they're bringing Um, lots of
0: other experience to the role. They're bringing, um, like if they're in a BA role, they'll understand an awful lot of the agile processes, presumably. Um, um, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, this doesn't happen in every case, but um, Mm. something that we try and focus on is, you know, what are the skills that this person might have at their call um, and what are the skills required for the role? So if they are similar or there's a nice match, they would say, okay, well, you might want to transition or um, a lot of the skills that you have are transferable. Um, but I think it also depends on a couple of factors, the work, the work to be done, the kind of pace, the velocity, you know, of the work um, and also the team that this person is in. So um, sometimes people would ask, oh, you know, I'm going to go for this role at ANZ um I'm interested, you know, my background is leading teams. Um, and I'm I'm comfortable with that, and that's kind of where I want to uh continue my career. I might look up the role, you know, I've got the magic powers at the back end, I can understand a little bit about the team. And you know, sometimes I'll go back to that person and say, You're not you're not gonna be in a people leadership role. So you will be on the tools pumping out assets, um, you know, so I, I think just really understanding what the person is after with their skills, is that a match to the role? I mean, as best you can. Um, I think that uh, it, it could be a really good match, um, but I, it, it does put a lot of, um, I guess, a bit more work on the person mm. who's applying for the role to kind of dig a bit deeper and also for the person doing the interviewing or the hiring manager to really understand what they're hiring for and those mm. skills that are needed. Um, yeah, because some are easily transferable um, and others might not be or might not yeah. be aligned from a, um, you know, career and growth perspective as well. So
0: Yeah. One of the things that we were, we were connecting originally around was the Learning and Development Program at ANZ. Um now as a as a kind of a, a big thing we wanted to talk a little bit more around, you mentioned about this being an incredible way of of hiring people. Tell us a little bit more around the story of the Learning and Development program and some of these uplifts that we're're we're referring to.
1: Um, so, ANZ have a dedicated learning program for our designers. Uh, we started about four years ago. Uh, we ran a survey and we ran some interviews uh, with a, a smaller design community then. I think we're about 80 eighty to 90 designers. Wow. Um, okay. We, yeah. We've
0: grown very quickly.
1: We've grown pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> remember, we started at like 11. Um, yeah. So yeah, we were about eighty or ninety, and uh, we we ran some research. And um, one of the things that we asked our designers um, was around, you know, how is ANZ supporting supporting your growth? And I just remember <laughs> looking at the results. I think we got like one point five out of five. It was really abysmal. Yeah, um, and lots of great verbatim, great but like harsh um and basically there was nothing um it was really um confusing some of our designers didn't even know that ANZ had some some pretty solid um you know growth templates and development plans and and that kind of thing and um the other the other big kind of you know uh, allergic reaction was to designers weren't having conversations with their managers about their growth and development so it was a Mm. huge sort of opportunity so we took that insight series of insights and we said we have to do something with this and we were trying Mm. to recruit pretty quickly Um, and at the time which on reflection is a similar um, situation to what we're in now you know it's a really hot market and even then um, we had a lot of startups um, all building in-house teams and you know paying a lot of money and we just needed something to to hang our hat on so to make designers choose A and Z over over the kind of startups or other other companies, um, yeah. down the it's road, super so, super
0: competitive. I, I want to stress that anyone else out there, Australia is really yeah, hot for really designers small, and always has been. Yeah,
1: a really small talent pool. So mm. we thought, is there something in this um, around this idea of supporting our designers' growth, and what could that look like? So as uh, many great design projects. Started off as uh, a very small brief, bit of a side of the desk. Could we get this thing happening? Um, and one of the things that we focused on really early on, which we still do today, is focus on skill development. So when we think about capability programs or, you know, uplifting uplifting mastery, um, we still come back to this idea of skills. So how can we support our designers to really, to really build their skills um, and grow in those skills um, and support each other and, you hmm. know, the, maybe their their teams on, on the skills that they've built. Um, so we started writing. Well, what does that look like? As a designer, yeah. what are the skills you need? Um, and, yeah, we, we came up with 25 skills. Uh, we ran a whole lot of workshops. It was run as a very um, slick design project. Um, we we scoped it, we planned it, um, and uh, yeah, ran a whole series of workshops which were really fun. Did a whole bunch of prototyping. I was um, I was reflecting the other day. Someone found some of our original prototypes in one of our cupboards at the office, mm-hmm. and they were done on the photocopier. Remember that yeah. old thing, the photocopying machine? Yeah, black and white. And I found yeah. this beautiful um, black string from this. Um, Stationery shop up the road, so I was hand stringing all these paper prototypes and sending it around to people across the business to our designers, and that was a way that we tested and learned. So super, super low fidelity. Yeah, um, we even uh, sent one of those prototypes to um, uh, quite a senior executive uh, and asked for her feedback, and she loved it. She was like, "What was
0: is- it though? Was was it a book or?"
1: It was a book. It was a book. Yeah. So it ended up being a booklet. Yeah. Um, so a hand-strung proto- a photocopied booklet. Um, and we, we kind of played the round with this idea of is it a booklet? Is it digital? And then we kind of went full steam ahead and said, let's publish a book. Um,
0: so did we you... published
1: a book. Yep, we published a book. Wow. I'm going to show wow. you. There's our book.
0: Wow. Nice see. cover. <laughs> that's yeah. the back of yeah, it, yeah, is it? Or the front it. of it?
1: Um, and inside the book is um, a a description of all of our skills that we feel like our designers should have, Mm. Um, and we described uh, each of the levels of those skills. So when you're starting out at a certain skill, what does that look like? Um, And when you're an expert, what does that look like? So, again, being really clear and intentional about our expectations of our Mm. designers, um, and we kind of packaged it all up into just a small 126 thing. page book uh, that we I gave mean, out. It was very ceremonious and um, and that the resonated. The reason why I love that is
0: I think it's so easy for us to kind of go, we'll do a website. That way we don't have to <laughs> yeah. print it out and that way then it can update and we don't have to. Yeah. And then some people might kind of go, and it's better for the environment too, yeah. which we all know is wrong. Listen to Jerry McGovern's podcast on World Wide well, Waste go. folks. But um, I mean, the whole fact that there's something that's, tactile and you have it in your hands and it's it's there is is meaningful and yeah, it shows absolutely. that there's something you can you don't have to be online to watch it it says an yeah. awful lot like you know yeah. um there's there's probably a whole host of other things we can chat about at length around this and stuff but you, you've got this thing the learning and development program we mentioned about it being great for hiring people but how, how does it affect retaining people Yep. because it's one thing to throw money at people and throw learning and programs learning and development programs at people um has that had an effect on churn on people churn
1: um no i wouldn't i wouldn't say but uh it's definitely helped with engagement wow, our okay. engagement scores uh there's a there's a really interesting um, I think they run it twice a year now. It seems to change. I think it's twice a year. There's a bank-wide survey. Um, they, yeah. a bunch of, they ask a whole um, bunch of questions yeah, around engagement, around mm. inclusion, around risk. And one of the um, questions is I feel like ANZ gives me the opportunity to learn and grow on on in yeah. my job um and we are fortunate that we can filter those results so this, the survey goes to forty five thousand people and everybody in our system who identifies as a designer or an experienced designer um, we can filter our results we use that um those responses as a way to measure the effectiveness of the program um, okay. and it's really powerful um, yeah. again thinking about uh measuring success in a way that our business stakeholders and our sponsors would understand. And this survey is a really powerful way to do that. Um, so year on year for the last year, four years, um, we've tracked we've tracked uh, those results. And last year, and they've gone up every year, which is incredible considering we've had mm. two years of a pandemic. Um, last year, I think we hit 81%. And mm. just as a, as a really interesting data point, uh ANZ uh without the filter for designer. So how ANZ uh responded to that more broadly. Uh they were at 76%. So the design community wow, okay. were were above the kind of average for ANZ, which is really cool.
0: That's brilliant. I mean, it's a success story, but I've got one little last question if you could just squeeze it in. And you mentioned about the metrics that the the stakeholders are looking for. Can you tell us a little bit more what metrics there? Other than um, Um, CHURN, which we discussed, like engagement was one. Are there any other ones that you're allowed to share?
1: Yep. Um, So one of the things that's really important when we think about metrics um, for this program is every year we write our OKRs, but one Mm -hmm. of the things that we're doing more so in probably the last two years Mm -hmm. is uh, we're aligning those OKRs to our strategic scorecard. So what do our senior stakeholders expect um, or want to achieve for the year when it comes to to building capability, what does that look okay. like? Yeah. Um, and we're also asking our designers. So we kind of think about, well, what are the needs of our design community um, and how are we going to measure the, su- the success of the program based on that? And then what does the business need? So a really yeah. great example is um, uh, on the scorecard, it talks about building, uh, building capability in key priority areas, pretty loose statement. And one of the areas is leadership. So this year, um, we said, right, well, for our learning program, um, how are we going to focus on leadership? How are we going to Show that there is a clear alignment between what we're doing and uh, what what the business needs um, and helping them to kind of deliver on that scorecard um, so we had again this kind of small idea that's turned into something really big and exciting um, and at times a bit scary. Uh, we've um, I guess spun up a, a different stream of of our program, which is called creative leaders and part of creative leaders is bringing a small cohort of all different types of design leaders. So you could be at different stages of your career, um, you could be a, a current leader, an aspiring leader, a people leader, a craft leader. Um, and we've brought a small cohort together um, for a 24 week program. So, really mm-hmm. intensive program um, where we're focusing on um, really, really uplifting their capability and their understanding of what um, an impactful design leader means at ANZ. Um, so that's something nice. we're new. That's something new we're doing this year, um, and then we've got the other other kind of skills um, that we're doing as the other part awesome. of the program. But yeah, we're really focusing on um, that kind of creative leaders stream. We've never done it before, um, yeah. so it's really exciting. But it's a long program, and it's it requires a lot of dedication um, and involvement oh from our something. designers. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a really great story and for us that alignment piece to what our senior stakeholders are asking to you know us to help deliver yeah. on um, for the year is really important
0: look I've had such a good time speaking with you if people want to reach out to you um, and find out more what's the best way for people to get in touch with you
1: I love LinkedIn. <laughs>
0: You do actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I don't have any. I'm not on any other social media, so you can't find me anywhere else. All right. Um,
0: I'll throw a link to your LinkedIn. On, you can. Uh, in the show you notes. can find
1: me. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Michelle Walter. Um, I am on there often. Um, yeah, please reach out. I'm. I'm always happy uh, to talk about design operations. I'm always happy to talk about, um, culture and community, which is really close to my heart. Um, and I'm also happy to share a lot of the learnings, um, that I, you know, myself and the team of, um, have, have come to, I guess, learn ourselves, um, on our, on our growth and development program that we've built over the last couple of years.
0: Michelle, thanks so much for your time and your energy. Take care. Thank you for
1: having me. It's been wonderful.
0: Anytime, anytime. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisis where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes, with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network and also if you're interested apply to join the Slack community on ThisIsHateCD.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.